Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus. To help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. Well, welcome to church, everybody. Great to see you guys. Welcome to Liquid. I'm uh, Pastor Tim, and we're kind of shaking off the flip-flops, getting the sand out of the, uh, the car here at the fall kickoff, and uh, we are one church. Here's what you need to know, because I see new people here. We're one church with four locations, so we're in Morristown right now, and we need to welcome the rest of our family. Would you say hello to those joining us in New Brunswick? We're glad you guys are here. Nutley, Essex County in the house, and get ready for it. Wait for it. Mountainside coming October 6th. Very excited about that. We are launching our fourth campus on Sunday, October 6th in Mountainside, Central Jersey. I just finished training the facility this week. It's absolutely amazing. It really is. I can't wait for you to see this. Um, this is Liquid Church's first permanent facility, and it's located in Central Jersey, about 20 minutes from all three of our current campuses, and you'll have a chance to see it this fall in person. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But today, I just wanted to take a few minutes just to share my heart what God's been talking to me about over the summer, maybe how this would, would impact you and challenge you with your family's life as you think about the fall, or maybe your own spiritual faith as you're kind of re-engaging. And, um, and so today, what I want to do is, is kind of give a, a message a little bit different than usual. It's called State of the Church. Basically, I want to get us all on the same page, all our campuses, about where I believe God's leading us, and then challenge you personally to get involved and apply this to your uh, family's life. Um, I put notes today in your program, if you can take those out, because we usually have Bibles on our chairs. But today, I'm not going to work through a whole passage. We'll begin our next preaching series next week. But there's four verses that God spoke to me personally over the summer in my own life, and I think it's going to ripple out into the life of our, our church. So 
Here's how, how it works. Um, earlier this year, I took a trip to Rome. Let me begin there. Um, we were in Italy. Italy is a beautiful country. Just stunning. Any Italians here? I heard there were Italians in New Jersey. Is that true? Um, it was amazing. Uh, the churches there, you know, cathedrals, basilicas. We probably saw, you know, two dozen churches. The kids were like, another cathedral. We're like, more gelato. And we kind of plied that, you know, we, we kind of like, you know, lured them in with that. But it was amazing because the churches there, I think, would make American megachurches uh, envious because the biggest one I saw was in Florence, uh, Italy. This is the Duomo. This is a picture of the front of the building, pretty big church. But when I walked inside, I was stunned. It is the fourth largest church in the world. This is the lobby. It is the equivalent of four football fields in either direction, four football fields. And when this church was completed back in the 14th century, it was really the hub of the spiritual life for Christians. People were baptized in Jesus' name by the thousands. I asked our tour guide, I said, how many fit actually in in the church? And he said, over 20,000 people used to come for worship. Not weekly, but on a single day, 20,000 people. And as you can see, you know, obviously not that many there at that point. I said, well, 20,000 people for a worship service. I said, how about, you know, how, many, how about today? And he said, oh, you know, we got about 12. And I said, 12,000? That's still a lot. He said, no, 12 total. 12 people total come for the services that are held there today. He said, mostly seniors in their 70s, almost all of them are women. In other words, it's not a church anymore. It's become a museum. And sure enough, I went to take a photograph. They're like, no photos, no photos, no photos. You have to buy a postcard at the gift shop, and, and that's what it is. It's a museum where you go to see the glory days of a church that was once a hub of a vital gospel movement. You can write these in your notes. I'm going to give you three words today. But that movement that was explosive in the first century, somewhere over the last few centuries, has turned now into a museum. It's just a place where actually people go, tourists go, and they take a look at it. But you know what? It's a monument to a world that no longer exists. And the reality is... I think there's a parallel to the spiritual crisis that our generation is facing here in America because most churches really go through three stages. Even like Liquid, I listed these in your notes. Most new churches begin as a vital gospel movement. Boom! The Holy Spirit moves. People hear the word of God. Jesus was died for your sins. He was resurrected so you could be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have new life. You're going to have hope. Your guilt, your shame is gone. You're going to have a new life. And they experience this, and it's explosive, and there's growth, and people begin taking risks for Christ. That's the main job of a believer. You are to be a risk taker, because now you have a home in heaven. You don't have to work for everything here on earth. And the reality is, is the question is, what will we risk to reach people who are far from God? At Liquid, we'll do anything short of sin to actually reach people who are far from Christ. You guys know this. Um, We began meeting actually in a tavern. No, that's not why we call it Liquid. All right, we didn't, we, you know, it wasn't just, you know, uh, we, we preached the Bible, we weren't giving out beer, but we had unorthodox methods. We have met in movie theaters, schools, you know, uh, hotels, you know, anywhere. And the reality is it's because we had an outward focus. We're like, we want to reach people who don't know God, and not religion, but bring them to Christ because we believe the message is more important than the methods. In other words, the message of the gospel, the good news that you, it begins with bad news, that we are actually sinful. I, I think we know this, right? You see the brokenness and the flaws in the world. People gas their own people in Syria. There, there's, there's epidemic, you know, relationship breakdown all around us. We see the families falling apart, all of that. But we're part of the problem. And Jesus says, I'm going to enter into the sin. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to identify with you. I'm going to pay for your sin with my life. But then watch, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to live a supernatural life. Not, a lot, not, a, not in your flesh anymore, but a supernatural power of God living through you. And people's lives change. And we're like, we're closed-handed about that. We will always preach that message. But guess what? 
we're open-handed about the methods. It's always going to change. Every new generation has to hear the gospel in a fresh, fresh way. And so we'll hand out bottled water at a bike race or a gay pride parade. We'll put superhero costumes on, man. We don't care. Uh, we take the gospel seriously ourselves, not so much. But here's the thing about movements. They're very exciting to be a, a part of because most leaders or pastors will ask, like, what if questions? What if we did this? What if we tried that? You know, and the result is explosive growth. Boom! That's what you see in the early church in Acts 2. In the first, the first message, you want to hear the first sermon? I'm going to summarize it for you in five seconds. Peter preached to a crowd at Pentecost, and here was his message. Jesus died on a cross. You killed him. Say you're sorry. That's it. It was the first three-point message of the gospel. And boom, there was explosive growth. Look at this verse I put in your notes here to me. This was amazing to me. Acts 2.41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. Read this together. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. How's that for a fall kickoff? Boom, you know, instant mega church. But that's what happens when a church or a ministry is part of a movement of God. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit of God. It has a sense of destiny. And there's momentum that happens and that God brings as we pioneer the future together. And praise God, that's what we're getting a little taste of here at Liquid. If you're, if you're new to us right now, a lot, we're experiencing momentum in a lot of our ministry environments. Um, this Easter, it was our first time. We had over 4,000 people attend Sunday services, lift up the name of Jesus, hundreds baptized in the name of Christ. Overall, Liquid has experienced 23% growth year on year over the past 12 months. That's exciting. To me, one of the most exciting parts is the kids, because a lot of this is represented by our, we got a lot of babies, we got a baby boom, kids, students, uh, junior high. Overall, Liquid Kids has grown almost 30%, 46% in Morristown alone. Give them a hand. Those leaders are doing a reason, an incredible job. Now, the reason we count numbers is because every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And about 3,000 people started following Jesus that day in Jerusalem. Boom, a movement was born. It's taken us about six years, <laughs> but we'll be over 3,000 this fall as we launch Mountainside. And, and, and it's cool to see God moving, guys. Some people long to be part of that their whole life and never see it. But now understand something. Over time, given human weakness, people get old. A pastor turns 40. <laughs> Things break down. Tradition sets in. And guess what? This movement becomes a museum. And here's what I'm going to draw for the museum. I'm going to draw, you know what, I'll I'll actually draw a little church. You can draw this in your notes there, a church. Here's the doors, a little stained glass window, all that. It becomes a museum. That's what the church in Italy had turned into. Instead of momentum, the church becomes about maintenance. And And the Christian is no longer a risk taker. He or she is a caretaker. Well, we're just kind of going through the motions. We maintain the status quo. We don't pioneer the future. Our role is to preserve the past. That was the church in Florence. Maybe that's the church that you grew up in. There's a focus on maintenance. There's buildings to maintain. There's committees to meet. There's there's money to raise. And and it's very interesting because it's a subtle shift. Because your faith moves from, am I taking risks or preserving routines? If anybody has a new idea, it's quickly challenged. If someone wants to change something, people object and say, but we've always done it this way. See, you know your church is becoming a museum when change is challenged. Cha- you, can't change, you can't change a light bulb without having them vote on it. How many, okay, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? You ready for this? You know this one? Ten. One to change the bulb and nine to say how much they prefer the older one, you know? How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? 
Ten, one to change the bulb, and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. Let's get it out of there, man. (laughs) Change is hard in a museum church. I grew up in one. The church I grew up in, there are about 120 people. Someone typically each year would die. It'd be about 119, but then someone would have a baby, right? And back to 120. No one ever visited. We sat in the same pew every week, parked in the same spot. We sang the same hymns, the, always the first, third, and fifth verse. I don't know what's magic or what has cursed about verses two and four, but we, and we call the tradition and we value tradition. We've always done things this way. We always will. And we had these meaningless debates, you know, well, what should the youth room be beige or tan? What's the difference? Here's the deal. Often museum type churches have what I call an edifice complex this unhealthy fixation on the building. That's what the church in Florence was about. It had this rich history and all the saints here through the years and things that happened in the past and pictures on the mall, but it was all in the past. It was pretty much just a memory where these tourists now just go through and kind of like, you know, drink their coffee and buy a postcard. You know what? Jesus warned the church leaders of his day against this very subtle shift. Look at this verse. Jesus spoke this to me in the summer because I'm a church leader. He said, you've let go of the commands of God, the vibrancy of God's word, the gospel. And you're holding on to what humans said together, traditions. So you know your church is handcuffed by tradition when you start doing ministry by memory. (laughs) You can show up at the last minute because we put the goldfish in the cup and I hand it out and I just talk to my friends. I can just go through the motions. There's little innovation. There's little fresh thinking. No one questions the status quo. When someone introduces new idea, technology viewed with suspicion, preacher on a video screen, never work. Now listen, I want to be very careful here because this is a very gradual shift and very easy to overlook because most, most Christians, we see ourselves as part of this vital movement, right? But the reality is when we begin leaking momentum and leveling off as a museum, you might as well close the doors because you're not going to see new converts. You're going to see preaching to the choir, that's a little bit of what happens in a lot of uh, in the churches I, I grew up in, honestly. Just be real honest with you. There were not new believers, people who were in addictions and forgiven freedom in Christ, marriages falling apart, relationship restored. There were people who came from that church because they didn't like the worship, and now they're coming here. And there's people who I didn't like what the pastor said, and now I'm going there. We call that sheep shifting. We just kind of shift pews. It's all transfer growth. And so the reality is you can be in a museum church for a long time and not really know that anything's wrong because you see new faces and some leave and some kind of stay. Now here's the problem. You can go on like this for years, but if you don't recognize it, you will enter the final stage, which is the scariest. If a movement becomes a museum and you don't do anything about it, guaranteed eventually it will become, last M in your notes, a mausoleum. This is the church of the walking dead. Anybody acknowledging like the walking dead? This is zombie church, okay? Let me tell you about the last and strangest church we saw in Italy. This is bizarre. The strangest church I've ever been in. In the basement of this church was a crypt filled with the bodies and skulls of 3,000 monks. These were the pastors. These, okay? <laughs> This is their fellowship hall, okay, people? They put it back up on the screen. These are Capuchin monks who had run this parish over the previous centuries, and once they died, their bodies decayed, they arranged their bones to make designs and patterns on the wall. And I said, oh, we got to see this. And the kids are like, Daddy, don't make us go in the church, you know? 
Now take a good look at this picture. Does this resemble anyone you know? Because I'm like, is this the 9 a.m. service? You know, I see death. Is this your board of elders? You know, The spirit has left the building, okay? This is zombie church, all right? I'm going to draw a little. And the reality is there's a lot of churches like that. And I'm not, not harping on That's it, man. That's, that's because guess what? As a believer, as a pastor, as a leader, you're no longer a risk taker. You're not even taking care of the place. You're just waiting for the undertaker, okay? Let me tell you something. I have, it, I have great sympathy. I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I have great sympathy because I have a lot of friends in ministry who are pastors and leaders, and this is the most difficult kind of church to lead in because you're no longer pioneering the future. You're no longer preserving the past. You're presiding over a funeral. The movement's gone. We're out of maintenance mode. There's just the smell of mortification. Things are dusty. It's lifeless. You've been there. You've probably been to funerals at that church. And this is the hardest challenge, guys. And so my question to you is this. It's not what kind of church you came from. or My question is what kind of church you want to be a part of. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? A movement? Exploding with energy where there's a vitality. I feel the Holy Spirit when I come in this place. I see it when people pray for me in the lobby. I can feel it when, the, when God's word opens. Or, you know, no, I just kind of want to go in. As long as the carpets are clean, we vacuumed, and I get my coffee, I'm good. <laughs> no one wants to be charged of a mausoleum church with a dead outnumber the living. That's what this is, by the way. Some of you are like, cool jewelry, Tim. What is that? This is a, this is a rosary um, made out of wood from the Capuchin crypt. And I bought that because I go, I want to have a, a reminder to me as a pastor that this is where liquid will naturally go if we are not consistently going back to risk-taking stages as a church. If we just live and lead in our flesh, this is where we end up. That's where the flesh goes. It dies. But if you're led by the Spirit of God, guess what? Everything is new. You need to be born again again. Amen? You have to have it, guys. So here's my challenge to you, and I want you to think about this. I'm like, I don't want this for our church. I'm like, not in this house. Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive us. That's the first part of the gospel. He died, and you can have peace with God. But the second part is he's going to fill you with his spirit. And you're going to live a new kind of life, a life that is marked by compassion that you don't currently have. You can forgive people who have hurt you and are bitter against you. You can start ignoring the things that the world says are important, money, career, twerking, all that stuff. I can... <laughs> Do you want to see it? No! Whoa! Spare you from that. It's early. Here's my, look, look at these three stages. Look back, back, back. Come back to me. Wipe it. Jesus, wipe them away from me. Where do you think God's doing his greatest work right now in the church? It's just capital C church. Where do you think God's doing his greatest work? Most people say, like, movement, man, like, you know, Hillsong or elevation, movement, powerful. I think God's doing his greatest work here because he's a God not of the dead, but of the what? The living, a God of resurrection. And this is what we're seeing and what you are about to witness on October 6th. As we give birth to the fourth campus of Mountainside, this has been 15 months in the making, guys, long time. The renovations are complete, and we are at the finish line. But if you're new to our church, here's the story in a nutshell. We had a miracle last year. This is the most profound thing that's happened in my own spiritual life. In the spring of 2012, we had one of those out-of-nowhere-I-can't-believe-this-is-happening kind of things. A 191-year-old New Jersey church called Mountainside Gospel Chapel contacted us, and they're located in central Jersey along Route 22, right next to uh, Westfield and Cranford. And the chapel had a rich history. You can see the date 1821. This is the original 
um, chapel, um, a one-room stone chapel in the middle of Route 22 before there was Route 22. <laughs> and when the highway came, they actually went around the church and called it the Island Chapel because in those days, you don't move a church, right? <laughs> Good old days. But what they did is they moved their chapel back um, to a wonderful facility in the 1970s that they built. And this is when Mountainside really flourished. It's a pretty big building. They were part of the Sunday school movement. There was a movement of Sunday school where they said, we've got to get the word of God to the next generation and their language. It was, Sunday school was innovative. Uh, lots of families came to Christ, were teaching through the 70s and 80s. But in the 1990s, there was a bit of a drop-off, you know, and not through any fault of their own. Again, there are natural life cycles to a church just like there are for human beings. But kids grew up, they moved away, families moved away. There was kind of a steep decline over the last 13 years. And so when Mountainside called us, they were down to 29 people at Sunday worship. And what's incredible, that's double of what it is in Italy. But what's... (laughs) Right side. But it was really humbling because the chapel leaders said, hey, is there a possibility our church could be a a, a campus of liquid? And I was like, we have very different styles, I'd probably have noticed. Um, But you know the rest of the story. We felt an instant kinship because they were about the gospel message. And they said, we're ready to open our hands and be open to new methods. And God performed a miracle in 33 days from when we first got that phone call. Those 29 seniors unanimously voted to donate their entire building, property, and assets, and missionaries to Liquid. (laughs) And we were stunned because we've never had a permanent building. We don't care about buildings. We care about building people up. But that's what happens when Acts 2 happens. Acts 2 is a movement. Your young men will, will dream dreams. Your old men will have visions. And God will do something with both of them that only the Holy Spirit gets the credit for. And so we spent the last 15 months lovingly restoring and gutting and renovating the facility. We have gotten schooled on town zoning boards and construction permits. I will spare you that. But God is faithful. Two weeks ago, we passed 100% of our inspections and received our CO, our Certificate of Occupancy. So we are now at the goal line and ready to open the doors to a whole new generation of believers. So along with Pastor Mike, let us give you a little tour of our new church home. Hey guys, Pastor Tim here along with Pastor Mike. Hey everybody, welcome to Liquid Mountainside. Dude, the place looks amazing. It looks completely different than when we were here a year ago. Come on, let's go inside. We'll take a little tour. And now it's time to build from the bottom of the pit right to the top. Don't hold back. Packing my bags and giving the academy a rain check. I don't ever want to let you down. As you can see, the auditorium is transformed. We've installed state-of-the-art sound and lighting to make worship services come alive at all our weekend services. You're going to experience relevant teaching in high definition and killer music. Our bands are going to rock it. We've created a super comfortable environment for you to invite your friends and your family to when we launch on Sunday, October 6th. Speaking of family, we have a lot in store for the kids, don't we? We sure do. Matter of fact, let's go check it out. Oh, this is a classroom? Wow. Where are all the desks and chairs? This is not the church that I grew up in. You know, we've created a family room environment for our middle school and our high school students to learn what it means to really apply God's word to their daily lives. In between our kids space and the auditorium, we've created a very comfortable lobby with plenty of seating space for you to hang out and connect with your family and friends. 
And you know, it wouldn't be church if we didn't have free coffee. Although everything at Mountainside is brand new, the church itself is over 190 years old, and we were able to incorporate some of the original stained glass that was part of the chapel back in 1821. So when you walk into this building, you're going to see two generations coming together. We're holding fast to the historic truths of the Christian faith, but for a brand new generation. So mark your calendars, because on Sunday, October 6th, we are launching services and opening our fourth campus, Liquid Mountainside. So join me inviting your family, your friends, everyone you know as we open for services. We hope to see you there. We'll see you guys then. We praise God. Is that amazing? That is a cool thing. That is a pretty cool thing. That's an amazing. I can't tell you how excited I am. I was, I was at the uh, workday last Saturday. Thank you, those of you who have been volunteering, windexing stuff, putting the finishing touches on. Talk about an extreme makeover. You know, just for me personally, kind of the before after, I love that. Uh, this is the auditorium, as you saw before and, uh, and after. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be an incredible place where actually all of our campuses can come at times for praise and worship and prayer nights and leadership training and all that kind of stuff. And I met with, our pastor, with Pastor Jason, our worship leaders, on Friday. They went through a sound check. They were like kids in a candy store. Uh, because that's one of our goals for the, this new, new year, that we take worship to the next level at all our campuses. So we'll have a central location now where artists and musicians can come and work together on their craft. Let me show you the kids' space before. This is kind of a big, uh, you know, empty gym and after. This is actually just a middle school classroom. We have mon- many of these. It's a transformation, and because the family ministry had this vision to say, you know, we don't want desks and chairs. Kids don't need more school they need a place where they can actually read God's word, engage, and then discuss and, and, and talk in kind of a Starbucks environment where they can actually be honest about their, their lives. So we have a big thing for middle schoolers, high schoolers coming this fall. But I was really excited about that because um, one of the persons in our family ministry that we hired from Mountainside, her name is Amy Drylowitz, And Amy's now a young mom, but she was actually born in this church. She was dedicated on the stage. And then she was baptized there, and then she was married at that altar, and now she's going to be raising her own children and passing on the faith to them. So it's a beautiful thing when you see the church. It just obliterates generations. It's about the kingdom. Every generation has to have its own expression for the hearts and minds. And uh, I said to Pastor Mike, I was like, what do you like the most about this? He goes, oh, the bathroom. I, I just... I'm like, I guess nothing like a new urinal. Okay, all right. Thank you, those of you who Windex make everything sparkle, but it's, it's going to be really nice. For me, my favorite part is the stained glass windows because these were the ones, the original windows from the 1800s, okay? These were the old ones over the baptistry. And we said to our contractor, Charlie, we're like, hey, is there any way you can somehow like preserve them? He's like, man, 1800s, like how are we going to? And he pretty much did a miracle. He built a whole frame around it, foam, all of that. And so what we did is because we're like, they are a reminder to us of the spiritual heritage that we're inheriting. There are families who gave their lives. They gave, they gave money. They had a vision to plant this church there, and we stand on their shoulders. And so Charlie performed a miracle. He, he was able to get both stained glass windows, and we have preserved them in a heritage hall uh, that, where our volunteers are meet, where there'll be trainings and stuff. They look amazing, kind of, you know, kind of fun. They've stuck a flat screen team. I love that ancient future kind of feel, you know? We, we honor the past while we pioneer the future. That's, that's part of the gospel movement. And guys, this is an important reminder that we stand on their shoulders. And so we, ministry has been going on here, and we're inheriting this godly legacy, and we're just building on that. So we're humbled to do that. So understand, this is all God's doing, guys. This didn't happen to Liquid because, like, oh, we're a young church, or we're somehow 
smarter or better. Don't be proud and a jerk. This is because our spiritual fathers and mothers came to the end of their rope and the end of their time. Instead of holding on as tight as they could, you know what they did? They let go. They said, God, whatever it takes for the gospel to go to the next generation, we're going to let go and we're going to fuel that mission. Now a lot of them are going to be serving here. It's just very, very humbling and challenging to me. Let me tell you, it's challenging to me as a young pastor because I pray that when I'm older and God raises up the next generation, there's said this whole liquid thing, I'm not sure, uh, that I actually will be able to open my hands and say, hey, it's yours, take the keys, go, run with it. May the spirit of God fuel your mission. So can we hear it one more time? Because there are some of our seniors from the original chapel here today and we thank God for you, man. We love you guys. You're part of our family. We're loving family with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really is powerful. Grateful for you. Awesome. So as uh, Mike told you, the grand opening is October 6th. So here's the deal. If you have friends in Union County, invite them. Bring them with you. If Mountainside is going to be your new campus home, you probably are already signed up to attend rehearsal services on September 22nd and 29th. Um, and if you're from another campus, you're Morris, and you're like, oh, or I'm staying in New Brunswick, or I'm in Nutley, I'm not, I'm not going to go to that one. Um, you will get the chance to experience the new facility in October. We are hosting on October 6th, kicking off all campuses, our first ever churchwide prayer campaign. This is our new preaching series, something that God's been doing in my heart. You know we've done churchwide, you know, fasting. We read through the New Testament together. And honestly, these past 15 months, I have gotten like a total crash course in intercessionary prayer, you know, because I have learned to pray with this delays, all right? Um, I suck at waiting. That's one of the things God's taught me over the summer. You really stink at waiting. If you don't, if this doesn't happen in Tim's timetable, you get very anxious. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm learning, but hurry up. Uh, <laughs> so this is kind of, but this is as recent as Tuesday. I'll tell you a story, right? So we had, we got all our inspections passed. We had one last hurdle that we had to overcome. It was significant to open the doors on October 6th. And so I'm like, God, I can't do it. I can't force this. I can't exert my energy. Only you can. So I'm going to start praying by name for the town officials. So I started praying for the mayor and the police chief and the town attorney. I'm like, I'm going to pray behind their back. You know, it's fighting dirty, right? And so we met with them on Tuesday morning, and it was like a miracle. God had softened their attitude, and they gave us total approvals for everything else, those other hurdles. And at the end of our meeting, the mayor said, hey, you mind if I come over and take a look at it? And he said, yeah, come to see a new church. He walks in, and he literally goes, this is not what I was expecting. This is unbelievable. Goes the kids, unbelievable, unbelievable. And it was like this, and we're like, we would like you to believe. Uh, we, <laughs> come, come attend church and have, have your athletic teams use our fields, bring fans. We want, we want this open to the community. We really want to bless and serve the community. And I think they're finally beginning to believe us. Anyway, prayer works, okay? Prayer, amen? Prayer's powerful. Prayer, prayer moves. Yeah, prayer works. You're going to see this. I'm excited for you. Because you're facing challenges, right? In your own family, in your own work, where you're like, God, you got to move in a powerful way to change the situation, change the minds of men. God will do that for you. And so I'm hoping this prayer series is going to be like 40, where it just kind of wakens this appetite for the Holy Spirit in our church, and and you're going to see these miracles in your own life. 
This series is going to culminate in six nights of praise and worship at Mountainside for all of our campuses. So don't worry, you'll have a chance to tour the facility, experience worship, to see what God's doing. So we have an incredible fall planned for you as we say to take new ground for the gospel movement at all four campuses. So I hope you'll be here next Sunday for the fall kickoff of Jesus Loves Jersey. This is our new preaching series. We'll be going through uh, some scripture next week and really just kind of uh, telling you something else that God's doing. I haven't even told you about this. Man, where have you been? Over the summer, we've been talking with other local churches and saying, what would it be like if we didn't just do our own little outreaches but actually joined arms so that the glory would go to Jesus and just erase the nominational stuff? So we're going to be linking arms with over a dozen churches across our state to do some pretty cool stuff at our campuses. That's next week. So here we go. I want to close right now by making this personal, because some of you are like, that's pretty cool. doesn't really apply to my life. But I know you. <laughs> Listen, here's why I want to challenge you. Because the Movement Museum Mausoleum, these three stages are true in the life of a church, but they're true for your family as well. They're true for your faith as well. The church is God's family. And when you think about your family, I want you to think about your family right now. You're coming back from the summer. I get it. Where's your faith at right now? Is it, is, it a, is it vibrant? Is it alive? I'm deeply connected to the heart of God, man. We're, we're clicking. There's an appetite for the Holy Spirit in our family. We're depending on God for new, new things this fall. Or is it actually, if you're honest, you're like, oh, I'm a little bit more in maintenance mode, <laughs> kind of going through the motions. In fact, even this morning I came here and thought, okay, I'm going to get my coffee and be here for an hour, and I'm heading out. Or actually, maybe, so maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, man, that's me. If you knew what was going on, my, the facade of my life, it looks good on the outside, but it's actually pretty empty inside. And if you knew the truth of what's happening in my family, it's actually kind of falling apart. See, there's an illusion, guys, that your relationship with Jesus Christ can just be in maintenance mode. You never stand still. You're either taking new ground in your relationship, you're risk-taking your faith for your family, or you're this far away from the wheels falling off. So I want to challenge you this, th- today. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if like you're returning to church, you haven't been here a while. That's totally cool. I'm just trying to elevate your vision that we want to be part of a movement and we want you to be a part of it. So join a life group this fall. Maybe you've been all alone. You're like, there's no low ranger Christians. There's groups of 10 and 12 people all meeting all over the state. We start in a few weeks who study the Bible. We pray together. We worship. We have all ages and stages. Just go online and take a look at them. Sign up for a, for a service team. We need volunteers at all of our campuses, not just Mountainside. Today at your campus, you're going to see a booth in the lobby. It says next steps. Just go to that and say, I want to get involved. How, how can I help? Don't just sit there. Can I say this in a, in, in a, nice, in a nice way? Get off your butt. <laughs> in a Christ-like way. Get off your butt, okay? Because listen, the job of a follower of Jesus is to follow Jesus. And faith is spelled R-I-S-K. What are you risking? What are you sacrificing? What are you throwing back into a a godly chaos? This is what I want to challenge you with because if you're here today and you're like, man, I see your energy, Tim. I can't match you right there. If I'm honest about my life right now, this is a moment to renew it. The Bible is very clear what, what happens when we find ourselves in spiritual decline. It's very, very simple. Last point in your notes, you have to do three things. The first is this. You have to be ruthless about evaluating the state of your family, the state of your faith, and say, you know what, we've been on autopilot for a while. We haven't had those priorities and commitments to happen. And then you actually have to repent of your complacency. 
Repentance is not a one-time thing. I'm sorry, Jesus, for my sins forever and ever and ever. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. It's a seasonal thing. It's the fall. It's a perfect time to repent. Repent means I'm going to be honest about what I've let happen inside and that I'm a mortal creature and then ask God, would you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? Do a new work in me. Do a new work in me. And you know what? I want to encourage you with this final verse. This is the one that renewed me. It's Revelation 2.5. Look at this. It says, remember from where you have fallen. Let's read this together. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place. These are the words, the final words of Jesus in Revelation to his church. He says, you have forgotten your first love, me. Would you just be honest about that? Admit that slip and then repent. Return to me. Do the things you did at first. You, repentance often means you have to go, you have to prune. So you may have to take a machete to your schedule this fall and make room for prayer and worship and serving. I realize we all have crazy calendars, but busyness is the enemy of your soul. So return to God's heart, repent of your complacency, and then finally, simply return to those costly commitments that you made when you were growing the most in Christ. Some of you, you've taken time off from serving. That's awesome. But now the thing your soul needs actually is to give yourself away a bit. Return to those sacrifices. Return to tithing. Maybe you're like, you know, I, I used to sacrifice even my financially to God. This is a moment to reorient your priorities for this fall. And if you do that, a miracle happens. God, by his power, his Holy Spirit's power, you may experience rebirth. In your life, in your family's life, that's what the story of Mountainside is. It is a living illustration of the gospel. There were 29 seniors who said, it's, Spirit's left the building. And you know what? We're going to do something pretty costly. We're going to let go. We're going to give it all away because we want to see the church rebirthed because we serve a God of the living, not the dead. Amen? Is that true in your life? Do you have to experience that maybe even this morning? That's what I want to close with right now. I want to invite you to bow your heads in prayer. Take a moment to be honest with God and commit your fall to him. Would you do that? All your campuses, just bow your heads with me right now as I pray for you. Father God, we've got a room full of, of mixed people right now. We have risk takers who are fully invested, who faith is number one. And God, we all have moments where we remember what it was like to be intimate friends with you, where we felt the spirit. But Father, some of us have settled for maintenance mode and we have the status quo and phoning it in. And we're just gonna be honest with you right now. We repent, just in your heart, just tell God. Say, Father, I'm sorry I've drifted from you. Christ, I I need you. I've given myself to other things. God, I thank you that the gospel runs through the cross, but it leaves at the empty tomb. And there is resurrection power. There's the Holy Spirit available for all who would call on your name. All our heads are bowed right now. If that's you this morning, you want to experience renewal, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? All our campuses, just raise your hand. You're like, that's me. Tim, I'm honest. I'll just thank you. Hands up all over. Raise your hand. Your campus pastor will see you. I just want to pray for you right now. Just a special prayer for this fall. Just keep your hands up. All our campuses, you're saying, I want to recommit right now. God, fresh fire, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, fresh fire right now. Kindling in people's hearts, a burning, a power in our generation that we'd see revival. Father, send us back into the movement that first birthed your church. We praise you for what you've done in our midst. And we ask for more. 
we open our hands. We want to see it in our families. We want to see it in our faith. Catch hold of us. Wake us up. And let us change the world by the Holy Spirit. All God's people committed it together. They said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.